This is Book Club Cheats, a podcast for book clubbers who can't seem to find the time to read. I'm your host, Hippie Turner Raman, and today we'll be talking about Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine is the story of a lonely, physically and emotionally abused 30-year-old woman in Glasgow, Scotland. Oliphant isn't even her real name, as a pseudonym given to her by social workers to protect her. It quickly becomes obvious that Eleanor Oliphant is far from fine. Author Gail Honeycutt wrote the story after seeing an interview with a 20-something woman who revealed that after leaving work Friday, she didn't speak to anyone until returning to work Monday. Eleanor comments, how loneliness is the new cancer. The book is in first-person narrative. Both we and Eleanor live almost exclusively in her head. This fact is very important to the story. I just didn't appreciate it at the time. I'm nearly 30 years old now, and I've been working here since I was 21. Bob, the owner, took me on not long after the office opened. I suppose he felt sorry for me. I had a degree in classics and no work experience to speak of. And I turned up for the interview with a black eye, a couple of missing teeth and a broken arm. Maybe he sensed back then that I would never aspire to anything more than a poorly paid office job, but that I would be content to stay with the company and save in the bother of ever having to recruit a replacement. Perhaps he could also tell that I'd never need to take time off to go on honeymoon or request maternity leave. I don't know. The black eye, missing teeth and broken arm were courtesy of her then living boyfriend. Since we hear the story in Eleanor's voice, I never felt pity for her because Eleanor won't allow it. But I did feel sorrow and laughter. Eleanor has a really fantastic deadpan sense of humour, but she's not a wholly truthful narrator. Aspects of her story slowly leak out, and you can miss the clues in the story if you're not careful. Eleanor is the co-worker we all have, the one who doesn't do office gossip or water cooler talk, but glares at you when you do engage in it. Eleanor has no friends, except Polly, a plant, who she endeavours to kill near the end of the book. And no one visits her ever in her mismatched social worker decorated flat, except for the gas man and the pitying social worker on their yearly visits. Eleanor's life runs like clockwork. She comes to work at the same time every day, eats the Tesco lunch special, sandwiches, crisps and drink while doing the telegraph crossword and goes home to pesto, pasta and salad every single night. I adore pasta, but even I would bulk up the same pasta every night. Food is not something to be enjoyed for Eleanor. It's not something to be savoured. It's just something that needs to be 
done to put in her body to keep it going. A lot of things Eleanor does is just to keep one foot in front of the other. She's not really living or enjoying, she's just being. Friday nights, Eleanor really lives it up though. A margarita pizza from Tesco with a bottle of Chianti. Eleanor also buys something extra. Two big bottles of Glenn's vodka. Whoa. I don't need much on a Friday, just a few big swigs. I usually wake up on the sofa around 3am and I stumble off to bed. I drink the rest of the vodka over the weekend, spread it throughout both days so that I'm neither drunk nor sober. Monday takes a long time to come around. Wednesday nights are mummy time. Mummy's institutionalized. Due to the nature of her crime, she's in jail, right? Eleanor doesn't look forward to the weekly talks. It's just something she has to do, like stepping up to the guillotine. That voice, I still remembered it from childhood. Heard it still in my nightmares. As soon as I heard her voice, I felt a familiar, creeping dread. The mother creeped me out. She has a very Joan Crawford, Mummy Dearest vibe going on. As she's calm, cajoling, vulgar, cruel, spewing venom one moment, dripping sugar the next. She also lives to tear Eleanor down. Eleanor wants her mother's approval, but fears her. Eleanor's also internalized her mother's voice, using it to make judgments about all the people around her and herself. Her mother's eaten things that no one ever can, uh, seen things, gone places, done things that we mere mortals could hardly aspire to. Eleanor's mother's voice looms large over her life, a little bit like Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca. Two things change Eleanor's life. One, she wins tickets to a small concert where she falls deeply, madly and passionately in crush with a totally pretentious, self-absorbed and idiotic singer called Johnny. Eleanor leaves before he can sing and they can meet, but she knows he's the one. Like all good crushes, Eleanor dreams of scenarios, of all the things they'll do and how much Johnny will cherish her. And two, she meets Raymond Gibbons, the new IT guy at work. Ray is sweet, a chain smoker, dresses like a scruffy teenager and repels Eleanor by his inability to eat nicely, a total opposite of Mr. Perfect Crush. But Ray just won't stay in his lane, no matter how much Eleanor tries to push him back. After work, Eleanor and Ray see an old age pensioner keel over. Eleanor hypocritically assumes Sammy, old age pensioner, is a total lush and urges Ray to leave him. He'll be all right. Thank God Ray doesn't listen to Eleanor. Sammy's had a heart attack. Sammy's heart attack is a little bit like a pebble in the pond. 
It sets off social interactions and opens Eleanor up to letting people in her life. Eleanor and Ray go to the hospital, meet Sammy's big family, go to Sammy's welcome home party, to Sammy's son's Keith's 40th party, and Eleanor also goes to Ray's mom's house for tea, is gifted a cap Glen, is offered a better position by Bob, and makes friends with Ray and Laura, Sammy's daughter. And eventually, they also go to Sammy's funeral. After a visit to Sammy in hospital, Eleanor is a little late for Mummy's call. Honestly, Mummy, I was out with Raymond. There was a snort. Visiting this nice old man in hospital, he fell in the street and we helped him and Shut your lying little cake hole. I flinched, dropped the book, picked it up again. You know what happens to liars, don't you, Eleanor? You remember? Her voice was back to sickly sweet. I don't mind how bad the truth is, but I won't tolerate lies, Eleanor, even after all this time. A little later in the conversation, I heard her breathe in, then out, and felt a soft menace through the ether. Don't you go getting sidetracked now, Eleanor. Don't go ignoring Mummy, will you? Oh, you think you're so smart now, don't you? With your job and your new friends. But you're not smart, Eleanor. You're someone who lets people down. Someone who can't be trusted. Someone failed. Oh yes, I know exactly what you are. And I know how you'll end up. Listen, the past isn't over. Past is a living thing. Those lovely scars of yours they're from the past, aren't they? And yet, they still live on your plain little face. Do they still hurt? I shook my head, but said nothing. Oh, they do. I know they do. Remember how you got them, Eleanor? Was it worth it for her? Oh. And there's room on your other cheek for a little bit more hurt, isn't there? Turn the other cheek for mummy. Eleanor, there's a good girl. And then there was only silence. Eleanor stalks the musician Johnny. She decides to practice going out to lunch, coffee, parties, basic social outings we take for granted but that Eleanor's never done and has no clue how to do. The practice is for when Johnny and she meet. Eleanor practices with Ray. Practice lunches become a regular thing at a regular place where the wait people know her and her regular menu item. It's very bittersweet. Eleanor ups her hygiene game for when the musician and she finally meet as she gets her hair cut, nails done. It's actually quite sad because Eleanor comments here how 
that she loves to have people touch her because she doesn't have human touch in her life. But the only time she does have people touch her is when she's paid for it, like in a service, like getting her hair cut or nails done. But she also, in a very, very hilarious uh, scene, is that goes to a lunchtime waxing session and she accidentally orders the Hollywood wax by mistake because she doesn't know what it is. It's probably something I would do too. Uh, she also purchases a whole new outfit, wears it straight from the dressing room to a party. The goodness of people shine through in this book. I kept waiting for someone other than the mother to be vile and mean to Eleanor. It didn't happen. Almost everyone Eleanor met were generally good and nice. I love the part in the book where Eleanor goes to Ray's mom's house for tea. Uh, she's a lovely woman who has a lovely house and it's just a lovely normal afternoon. Something that I think Eleanor has probably never experienced. It melted my heart when Ray changed his mother's bed sheet for the coming week. He was just so sweet. Eleanor finally goes to hear the singer sing at a concert. He's a dick, the music's very, very bad, and Eleanor sees her sad, empty life. She goes on a bender, wakes up naked in her flat with numerous instruments of suicide all lined up neatly on the table. Ray comes looking for her, he and her co-workers have been worried about her. He cleans up both Eleanor and the flat, takes care of the cat, and makes Eleanor go to the doctors and finally the therapist. It's in her therapist's office we find out Eleanor had a sister, Marianne, and their mother. In addition, if you hadn't guessed it, but being a violent, narcissistic, controlling woman, was also apparently a Jane Austen fan, naming her children from Sense and Sensibility. Eleanor's mother also beat and isolated and starved her children. As a result of therapy, Eleanor takes one last call from mummy and tells her where to go. Yay, a big cheer, I was so proud of Eleanor. Ray, however, is not let, content to let things be and does some more detective work. Eleanor and we both face the truth together. The mother is dead. Sharon Smith, Eleanor's mother, had drugged and physically restrained both girls, putting Marianne in a wardrobe before setting fire to the house. Eleanor escaped but ran back into the house to try and rescue Marianne, but failed. Okay, I was pretty shocked. I had to reread the passage a couple of times, just in case I was hallucinating. Mummy, who we heard so graphically, was a prisoner inside Eleanor's head, as much as Eleanor was a prisoner of Mummy's voice. Eleanor's regimentation and compartmentalized manner allowed the voice free reign only on Wednesdays for 15 minutes. 
the past really was a living thing. Eleanor tells Ray that she survived. Yes, she survived, but it's not really living that she had done for so many years. At the end of the book, Ray asks Eleanor what she's going to be doing that week weekend. She has a long list of things all lined up, unlike when we first meet her in the book. She's going to take Glenn, her cat, to get his vaccinations. She has to organize the office holiday party at a safari park, and she's going to go to a concert with Ray. Bye then, Ray, I said. He pulled me in for a hug and held me for a moment tucking a strand of her hair behind my head, ear. I felt the warm bulk of him, soft but strong. When we broke apart, I kissed his cheek, his bristles all soft and ticklish. See you soon, Eleanor Oliphant, he said. I picked up my shopper, fastened my jerkin, and turned towards home. I loved 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 this book i picked it up at heathrow airport and when we got home and after i'd unpacked i started reading it and finished it in one sitting i ignored the rest of my household i was just enthralled in it you'll love it it is a witty funny sad insightful book it makes you really question the world, but be glad that there are people like Eleanor and Ray in it. A couple of book club questions that you may want to think about is, Eleanor's the way that she is, is it because of her mom or is that just her own nature? I sort of think it's a combination of both because actually the real Eleanor we do see at the end coming out, but she still is has elements of that same person. Also, another question is, there's different types of loneliness. Ray says his mother is lonely, but is it the same sort of loneliness that Eleanor, who the uh, same kind of loneliness uh, that Eleanor experiences, or is it a different kind of loneliness? Also, how much of our parents' voices and judgment permeates through our own lives? Obviously, Eleanor's mother's voice permeated a lot through her life, and she gave importance to it. So how important are parents, our own parents' judgments in our lives? I really hope you get to read Eleanor Oliphant's Completely Fine at some point because it's a smashing book. Bye-bye.